0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts Shelley and Bella. Everybody and welcome to episode forty-nine of the Weird, Wacky, and Wonderful Stories podcast.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: You know, one day I'm going to let you do the intro. I tell No, you
1: what. no, no, it works better this way. Really? Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. Are you sure? Yes. It feeds your desire to be in control. <laughs>
0: Well we talk about that later on actually.
1: Yes we do. With the
0: person that we're talking to today. Before we actually get into that I just want to say all joking aside that this particular show ends up deviating into an area that we really didn't expect it to go into so I have to say that I'm 100% proud of you Bella for the stuff that you actually share on this thank you I think you have opened yourself up in a way that we didn't think would ever happen on this podcast and you know I would just ask our listeners to
1: be kind yeah (laughs) yeah
0: it's that she has opened up some of her vulnerabilities in this particular show and you know I think that she should be praised for that and supported through that rather than you know any sort of negatives we don't get We don't tend to get negatives anyway from our listeners, so I think we're quite lucky in that stage. Yeah. Or in that regard. Definitely. Yeah. With that said, David is a speaker, teacher, and attorney, and author of the acclaimed Talking Back to Dr. Phil Alternatives to Mainstream Psychology, and his new book, Revisioning Activism Bringing Depth, Dialogue, and Diversity to Individual and Social Change. David spent eight years on the faculty of the University of Phoenix and has taught for the US Navy, 3M, psychological associations and small groups. He's received notable awards for teaching, employee development and legal service to the community. David completed graduate work in psychology at the University of Minnesota and clinical training at the Process Work Institute, where he's a diplomate and adjunct faculty member, as well as a member of the Ethics Committee and Advisory Board for the Master of Arts Programme in Conflict Facilitation. As a practitioner of process oriented psychology, a branch of Jungian Psychology, he has worked with groups, couples and individuals for over 20 years He teaches and speaks on the topics of shame, nighttime dreams, weight loss and body image, diversity, social justice and alternative psychological paradigms. David is a blogger for Psychology Today and the Huffington Post and counsels people internationally.
1: And with all of those credentials, we got him to come on our show. Amazing.
0: We did. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. Please welcome to the show, David Bedrick.
2: Hi, David. Hey there, Shelley and Bella. Nice to connect with the two of you. Uh, how are you doing? You all right? I'm doing pretty good. There's a lot of snow on the ground. The sky is blue and uh, I'm taking a week off of work starting right when I'm done with this, my last thing.
1: Oh, I wish I was taking a week off of work. <laughs> it's funny actually because I am actually off work at the moment <laughs> as well. <laughs> so uh, I'm right with you, David. Yeah, y'all just mm. rub it in. So
0: can you tell our listeners a little bit about you, David, before we get started, just so that they've got an idea of who you are, how you're qualified, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Some credentially kind of things. Let's see. I studied psychology, didn't finish a doctorate at University of Minnesota, but then went back to a clinical training with now called the Process Work Institute. It's a branch of Jungian psychology. So it's kind of a branch off the the Jung Institute in, in Zurich. They now have local schools and I'm part of the, the faculty of that school and on the ethics board of that school. I taught psychology for eight years at university. I also am a member of the Oregon Bar. I went to law school, graduated top of my class, practiced law for 10 years, but now I mostly I work, I have a private practice where I do therapy and then I teach and write. So I'm working on a third book.
1: All right.
0: Excellent. Well, we wanted to chat with you today, predominantly about dreams. Yes. Now, I got in touch with you because of actually something my daughter said. Now, she is currently pregnant, and she was, even though people were telling her that she was having a little boy, she was dreaming that she was having a little girl. So, she went and had the scan, and the scan has now shown that she is, in actual fact, having a little girl. I am so excited. She then looked up online and found that actually there are reports of this being a thing whereby the mother will sometimes dream or or more often sorry dream the real sex of the baby. Do you know anything
2: about that or? I don't know anything in particular about that particular finding whether that's empirically validated or not, but what I do know is that some dreams have what I would call a psychic aspect psychic meaning they are accurate about some outer visible observable condition so some people might dream about the world trade towers in new york city in the u.s going down beforehand so for instance or some people will dream about something happening to a friend or a loved one and it turns out to be literally true literally i mean in the real world but the other thing about dreams is that they exist in the quote-unquote real world that means the observable world And they also exist in a psychological world. So in that dream, we could say, yes, your daughter knew something very specific about the actual gender, the actual child, but then your daughter is also dreaming. I don't know her, so I haven't talked to her. So I'm giving you a generality. Maybe I talked to her and I'd find something different. But then she's dreaming about gender. She thinks it's a boy, but it's actually a girl. So that would be an interesting exploration with her what's the difference between a boy child and a girl child i would ask her and I'd have her talk about that and see what wants to be born in her does that make sense mm.
1: i guess if you think about it when you're dreaming that you really got a 50 50 shot that i mean unless you've got twins or whatever <laughs> you know yeah. but i love my son uh, you know i wouldn't trade him now for the world but i so wanted a girl you know, I really did until I found out it was a boy. And then I was like, oh, this is amazing. I get to go play in the mud and find worms and stuff I never thought
2: I really want to do. Why want a girl as opposed to a boy?
1: Uh, you know, I, it was just the whole playing with baby doll things when I was little. And they are always girls. I mean, now every once in a while, you'll find out there is like a boy doll that you can get and stuff. But they were all girl dolls. So, you know, you think, oh, I'll get a little girl. I can dress it up really cute and... But then it comes and I got the boy and it's like, it's awesome. I can just get him jeans, T-shirts, done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Bella, then I want to suggest if you don't already do this, get some dolls and play with them.
1: Really? At my age? <laughs> I don't
2: care if you're 120. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty close, actually. I- hey. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when I work with my clients, I take out puppets and we play. And the reason why I would take out a puppet is because then people can, now I'm gonna use the word dream in a different way, meaning they can use their imagination. Because if I ask a person, you know, what would you say to that person who hurt you? They'd say, well, I don't know, I tell them I'm upset. But if I have a puppet out, you can't mm. see my hand. I'm making like a puppet. And I can say, you idiot, you dog, you schmuck. And then a person can go, I'm <laughs> going to break your head. That's not that they should use those words to those people, but it helps bring out the feeling behind things that were not seen. Their imaginal life yeah. sometimes has more information in it, right? Then somebody might say, well, I'm not really very angry. But then they take the puppet and they go, I want to kill you, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. so So the puppet, quote unquote, Knows what they really feel, you could say, right? Well, they let
1: their guard down a bit, don't they? That's yeah, right. You, you know, you don't, you just go with it. Instead of using your adult filters, that's right. You know, you can.
0: I'm going to get you a doll. I'm going to do what David suggested. I'm going to get you a doll.
1: You got me a dog. Uh, you want know, that's true, yeah. <laughs> but if you dress up, you're going
2: to get some looks. You can dress up the dog, <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I have an interesting question about dreams. My mother died. Years ago, I was 20, and I will have dreams about her that I know they're dreams. She's out of place, out of time. She'll look different at times. So sometimes she'll look younger, sometimes she'll look older, and that's fine, and they're great. Sometimes I have dreams about my mom where she is wearing a particular thing. She looks a particular way, and she's always wearing the same thing. And she will say something, and then later that will happen.
0: Or she's warned you about. Yeah, things, or hasn't she'll, she? you
1: know, she It'll be, will you? Do, don't you see what's going on? Don't you see what he's doing? You know that sort of thing. Amazing. And it's always that way. And I wonder, could that be a psychic thing? Well, not a psychic thing. She's not alive anymore. But you know, something from out of this world or could it be my way of seeing almost like I already know these things almost like you're but, schooling yourself yeah like
0: you're advising yourself what's interesting David is that the the point that she was making there is that the, her mother appears in two different ways one way it's unpredictable what she's going to wear what how old she is etc etc et what the but, dream is but the times that she's actually being given warnings or advice let's say her mother always looks exactly the same we're in the same stuff in the same scenario
2: there's a few different ways of you're, you're implying the, a few, the few different ways to look at it one way is that she's really contacting you from the other world from uh, the quote-unquote what people would call the dead world or something like that depending on your religious beliefs some people would call that different things yeah but some people say that she's literally contacting you I have personally now, I have no reason to not believe that. When people say they get, if you said to me, I really sense that it's really her, I would have no reason to doubt you, not even intellectually inside of me. I would think that's your experience. Mm -hmm. That's great. I really mean mean that. The other way is what you're implying that you have an intelligence about yourself that you're less aware of, but that you make contact with in the dream world. That's almost always true about dreams. Dreams almost always have an intelligence about us that's beyond our conscious mind.
0: So could it be like our intuition speaking to us?
2: Yes, like an intuition. That's right. That's right. Now, some people would say, like the Aboriginal Australians, they would say that the dreams are not only belong to us, they come from a deep intelligence that's not personal, but then uses your personal images. So, I might get the same information that you get, Bella, about life, but in your dream is going to channel that by using the image of your mother. Mine's going to use the image of a tree, let's say, whatever. Right. So different images, et cetera. So the aboriginals would say that dreams are local. In physics, we say local. That means they're inside you, caused by you, your own intuition. And then non-local physicists would say that means it doesn't only belong inside of you. And I think that's important truth too, because I've been in groups of like hundreds of people where we people talk about dreams after we do some workshop time and people have very common themes going on in those dreams. So Mm. different images, but when we work on it, it makes sense to people.
1: So when you go and you, we go to the bookstore or the library and you can even online and you can go, Oh, I had a dream about, swimming and then you can look up swimming and it says well if you have a dream about swimming it means this where do those sort of dream dictionaries yeah you know where does that come from
2: i'm not a big proponent of the dream dictionaries i think they can be useful sometimes because there are symbols that are common but i like to connect with the person's association and experience feelings about the images that are in their dream. And sometimes it turns out to be very different. For instance, let's say you dreamt of a lion and you looked, I don't know what a, what a dream dictionary say, but, but it might, it might say the lion is king of the jungle, right, Can let's imagine, right? Right. that would be great. So you would say, yes, yeah, so that's your kingliness. But if I asked you, what do you think about lions? What do you, do you remember anything about lions? And let's imagine you said, I saw a show the night before I dreamt it. It was a lion that was in a cage and it was, and I was so sad looking at it. It looked like it's light went out. Can you mm-hmm. follow? Right. Like it's right. Yeah. Then I would think, then when I think we're talking about some part of you, a lion part, whatever I mean that's caged up somehow. So because you're telling me what, how you're connecting that to that, to that particular image, or well, you might say something else. You might say a lion is, Last time I saw a lion was on a TV show, and it was amazing the way it ran down this deer and took it down. Then you're dreaming not of a kingliness, but a predatorialness, something that can go after things with all its force and grab it and take it and eat it and have it for yourself. So that would be, I would trust that a lot more than the dictionary.
1: So we wouldn't want to dream about the cowardly lion in Wizard of Oz, would we? (laughs)
0: You might. No, but that's (laughs) that's another interpretation, isn't it? Although in the
1: end, he was quite, wasn't he?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's actually quite interesting what you said, because I have dream dictionaries. I'm interested in in that kind of thing, and not necessarily because I've gone out and bought them, but people have bought them for me for Christmas, etc. And I have a regular recurring dream, and it is almost like an Indiana Jones type thing. I'm running through some, you know, sort of basement or something and I come across a secret room and then I'm running around trying to find this hidden treasure, fulfilling all of these different quests and solving all of these puzzles and riddles.
1: Too much Mario.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Looking at those Dream dictionaries, it tells me that I'm chasing something, I'm seeking something, I'm maybe looking for a lost part of myself even. I don't necessarily feel that way. I'm a very driven person and and I am a bit of a control freak. So whether that's got anything to do with it, I don't know. But it's funny because I've looked at those dictionaries sometimes and I've gone, well, I don't really get that.
2: Two things that are on my mind. But but while we're on this part, Shelley, let me ask you to dream a little bit with me. That means Drop your normal mind a little bit and answer this question, whatever comes up in your mind. Are you ready for the question? Sure. Shelly, what's the secret to life? Love. Yes.
1: Oh, so you need
2: me. No. (laughs) Yeah. Love going after your are controlling this and your ambitions. Great. Don't forget that love is the treasure. Mm, I like that. You're looking for a treasure that you're is secret. Secret me, to the psyche means that I'm not always thinking that I think I'm working really hard to get more clients so I can make more money. David does that. He's a good, whatever. <laughs> I was going to say good Jewish boy, but people get biases about, yeah. about Jews that I don't want to put in there. But for me, I grew up with we don't have generation. any
0: we don't have any problem with Jews. Your, yeah. Your dad some was Jew, some people, they?
2: if I bring up Jews and money, all their stereotypes come up and there's a hurtful Yeah, thing yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. But for me, right, so I think that's what I'm doing. But then in the background, other things happen that I'm not always aware of. So for you, the love thing may be the deepest driver in the background. And so I'm saying in the background, because the dream says it might be a secret, that means your conscious mind might not be thinking. I'm, and I'm, the reason I'm doing all this ultimately is about love. And then we could talk to you about that if we wanted to. Wow, what is what does this conversation have to do with love, Shelley, I would say. I would be thinking like that. And then, Bella, the one thing I wanted to say to you, and we don't have to go further with this, is that when I asked you about the your the daughter's dream and why you wanted a girl at first, or why, you're not saying that's what you prefer, but that was your first thought, you talked about clothes. And then in your mother's, you talked about clothes. So clothes, not literally, you mm-hmm. could get involved in your clothes. I don't know you well enough to know that. Literally, clothes should be interesting to you. But then putting, wearing something in the dream world, cl- wearing something means, do I show it? Does that make sense? Do I wear my vulnerability, you could say? Do I wear my intelligence? Do I wear my shyness? Whatever. So put, putting on a certain clothes, dressing up, freedom to switch your, the way you are on a given day. That's really important. And if we spent more time with your mother dream, I would ask you about the clothes that she wears. Why that more than the message even? Because you mentioned clothes and playing with clothes. So that means clothes to your psyche is telling me, you see? Your psyche, you're not realizing you're telling me that, but your psyche is telling me, a dream person, a dream analyst, she's dreaming about clothes. Follow that dream image. Clothes mean something to her, David. I don't know what that means to you, but I would hang out with that and and talk to you about that. Do you like buying clothes?
1: No, I don't particularly like buying clothes. (laughs) No, but do you know what? She doesn't,
0: if anything, I tend to force her to go and buy stuff. But what you said, actually, Bella, you probably don't even realize this, but one of the first things you told me about your mother was that she always looked smart and always took pride in, in how she looked. Yeah. I remember you telling me that was one of the first things, but before there you, you told me anything else about your mum, that was one of the first things you mentioned.
2: And I never thought about that until you just yeah. said that, David. That's amazing. Now let's try this little experiment, Bella, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> imagine, imagine now having a deep connection with pride in yourself, whatever that means to you, and change your posture Play like we were kids. Make your posture like a person who's really proud of themselves, only exaggerate it like we're like a caricature, like you're playing, like we're playing together, like two kids would play
1: together. <laughs> She's
2: doing it. Yeah. Great. Great. Okay. Now make a voice, a play voice that would come if we were playing and you were like, like an, a, a, a role in a theater and you were playing, I'm very particularly proud of myself. <laughs> Go ahead and play that for just one moment. I'm, I'm nudging you, but that's too edgy or whatever. Um,
1: hmm. Don't I look wonderful today?
2: You really do. I Sometimes I don't notice that. Sometimes I look at you and don't always think that, but I now see that so clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind
1: that however many people there are listening to this, hello.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Now, if we were to go, if we were to explore further, I'm not suggesting we do that at the moment, then I would start uh, by asking you about your looks, not what you look like, but your relationship to your looks. Do you like what you look? Do you look in the mirror and not be happy about what you look at? Most women look at 97% of women look at in the mirror and have inner criticisms that are sometimes violent as soon as they look in the mirror. 97%. 97%. Every day.
1: 97%. every day
2: not just sometimes something that looks back at them and says you're this you're fat you're lazy you're you're drooping here and you're soft there and your cheekbones are not right there and your butt is to this and your thighs are to that constantly yeah so now i'm now i'm dreaming not that 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 may not be about you Mm -hmm. but many women who would talk about pride and how they look that's a huge issue it's an enormous issue the diet industry is about a 60 to 70 billion with a b Dollar US dollar industry with 5% or less effectiveness. Wow, that's
1: crazy. <laughs> yeah. Think about so, it. How much yeah. money? Can you imagine
2: I said to you, can you, imagine you came to me and you said you were sick, and I said, I have a medicine, it'll work 5% of the time. 50% of the time, you'll feel worse, which is what happens when after diets. Would you think, Oh, great, David, I'd love to take that medicine, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to pay
2: 70 billion dollars for that medicine, but people do it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's the flip side. Yeah. You
2: know? yeah yeah that person needs a dream about feeling good about looking at themselves and thinking i look great today that person needs that dream
0: obviously we we're not intending this to be a therapy session for us what i do when i'm free no, no, no it's great no, no it's that, great. that's not what i meant we we're oh. totally happy with with what you're doing but i oh, don't okay, good. Uh, for our listeners now we have our own experiences to draw from uh, when we ask you these questions and you know maybe they've got similar things going on in their lives
1: as well next thing you know you're going to be getting like loads and loads of email from people
2: yeah so you should see the number of people who write to me and just send me dreams some of them are really nice they'll say dear david or dear whatever you know would you mind i know you're probably busy but here's a dream I had. Could you say something? Thank you very much, Signed. Susie. whatever.
1: Yeah. That
2: person I'm very likely to respond to. But somebody else, they don't say anything. They just they just start writing. They they don't say dear. They don't it's they act like they don't have time to even say hello and thank you. They're just here's this dream appears. Those I delete because I think, you know, if you don't have time to even say thank you, or you might be busy, then I think that's a lot of free work for me to be doing, which yeah, I do. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: interesting. I've died in my dreams. Wow. If you look that up online, you know, they uh, they tend to say, you know, if you've died in your dreams, that means that you're either going to die or or something else sinister like that.
1: But we're all going to die. If you Well,
0: yeah. If you look at Tarot, Bella does a little bit of Tarot, just sort of looking at the cards and, and what they represent. And it's interesting, really. Bella's got a, a lot of interest in psychology and that sort of thing. And as a result... You can look at some of these cards sometimes and and they are actually a a side of the paranormal and occultish type thing.
1: They're like archetypes. They're
0: archetypes of people and personalities. And the death card, for instance, in tarot, actually just means a new beginning. That's right. And actually doesn't necessarily mean you know, that someone's going to die. And, you know, on the old James Bond movie, they pull out the death card and then the music is, duh, 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 you know, and it, it sort of builds up that that sort of feeling that the death card is bad. And I think that's giving it a bad rap. Would you say the same sort of thing about someone dreaming that they've actually died in a dream? Or am I totally screwed?
2: I would almost never connect a person dying in a dream with a literal death. Anyway, I don't want to give say things that will scare people. But when people have, like, some kind of symptom, let's say, that that they're not sure about, or are they you know I have this lump and is it, is it cancerous and whatever those kind of things, then people have don't then people almost never, when in that situation, dream about dying. They dream of other catastrophic things that are happening. Actually, right. So so almost always when a person dreams, I'm saying almost because there's no one way. You have to listen to people and learn about them a little bit. So we're ta- we're talking in an absence of all that information. It's almost always true what you're saying, Shelley. that a person says I died in a dream. Something is dying. Something wants to be born. That's a psychological death. That means it's time for me to make a big change or a t- big change is about to happen or it's already happening and I'm not quite aware of it. That's much more, that's much more the direction Positive. I would go with a dream like yeah. that. Yeah. Something is ending. Something has ended. What has changed? If something was already over but it's, but it's still running a little bit, but basically it's already done. That's how, that's how I would talk to you, Shelly. I'd say, what is it? And then I'd have you think with me, what's already gone? What's changed? What's no longer true for you? That kind of a thing. Mm. Yeah. And then you would look at what's coming your direction. And then what would, what would come in its place? He said, if I had a dream about, about myself dying last night, I would say, Oh my work hardness i've been trying really hard since i was six years old to study and do well etc it's time for that whole pattern that orientation towards life i'm gonna try get that word yeah. strain try i'm not gonna enjoy i'm not gonna explore i'm not gonna be curious i'm not gonna have fun I'm not gonna play i'm gonna try hard like life is a test that that in me wants to die meaning it's become less important as a way to live and then more when you get on the on Zoom oh. with me to play, to think with you, to dream and enjoy myself.
1: Pretty cool, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's strange because I think people can look at dreams in a literal sense. And, and I think what you're saying there is actually take a step back from the literal meaning of the dream and think, okay, what could have influenced me to have dreamt that rather than trying to, like you said, follow the dream dictionary, because the dream dictionary might be okay for the, my neighbor, but might be totally different for me because my experiences, my background, my, you know, my interpretation on things is going to be different.
2: Let's say, Bella and Shelley, that you went to sleep for, the, for two minutes right now, what, 30 seconds, and you dreamt. <laughs> And you dreamt that your teeth were falling out.
0: Oh wow! Not a... How many times have we both had that dream? <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> no, have you really? Yeah, yeah, both of us. Yeah, great. Okay, see, so, see, and that's a psych. That's that's. I call that dreaming. That's me being a little psychic. That I picked that for some reason. I'm not <laughs> trying to be psychic and read into you, but that I mean, we could say I'm in a field where somehow that makes sense. Now, if you when you have that dream and you wake up, what are you thinking or feeling? Well,
0: the first thing I do when I wake up from that is run my tongue over my teeth make to make sure, sure they're still, still there <laughs> um but yeah it's fear I think and shock and yeah fear that what's making them fall out why why did I dream that you know it's
1: for me I work in healthcare, right so I'm fine with blood anything except I cannot stand loose teeth Even when my son was small and his teeth would start to get loose and they'd wiggle, I would, uh, it is so disgusting to me. Like that's the one thing I cannot try to help someone with.
2: (laughs) I mean, great meaning now I'm understanding something about your dreaming. So now I'm going to tell you something about that dream that 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 dream has usually almost always, I'm saying almost because somebody might come to me and I might explore something and learn something different, but almost always, people dream that for one or two reasons. Now I'm going to help you think about how dreams work. So if I started thinking about with people what are teeth do? Now if you were, if you were to pick up your hand they tell your whole audience, everybody pick up one of your hands and show me teeth, right? Now what people would do with their hands is they're going to show me like a claw-like motion like the fingers going up and down like their teeth, right? Yeah. Teeth do this thing, they chew, they bite. Right? Yeah. They chew and they bite. And the mouth and the jaw is very powerful muscle, actually. You can put a lot of pressure onto something. You can grab it and bite down on the thing and hold onto it with your teeth like a dog, right? And you try to (laughs) yank it out of my mouth. I'm not going to let it go, right? I I got my bone. I'm not going to let it go. So sometimes people dream of losing their teeth when they're needing more teeth. More teeth meaning grab, bite. Bite down, chew, break it off, hold on to things. That kind of an energy. But more, more often, what people are dreaming of is the need to loosen up and let go. Why? Does that make sense? Because the normal mind says, oh my gosh, I'm losing my teeth. This is bad. I'm scared. This is no good. But the, but the psychological mind, the dreaming mind says, you're freaked out and worried, and bothered by, those are the two ideas you two bring in, your normal mind is bothered by, fearful of loosening up, having loose teeth, not grabbing so tightly, becoming even looser, being even weirder and wackier than the two of you really are (laughs) in your lives. Loosen up, drop the control stuff, loosen up, let the teeth fall out. That's not literal teeth. But the wonderful thing about that dream is that it's showing, it says, you think of, let me tell you about something, dear friends, that you think you need to have, teeth, holding on, grabbing, biting, but that you're worried about if you would loosen up. So the dream says, here's a great image for that because I know if I give you the tooth falling out dream, you'll instantly think I need to hold on and make them and glue them in so that they're really strong, <laughs> right? And I'm trying to show you how you usually think and I'm using the perfect image. The dream is very smart then and saying, loosen up, keep getting looser. Getting looser for, for you, Bella, is going to be a little bit like, ooh, that really bugs me. Yeah, keep going in that direction. That's yeah. going to be the, the dream intelligence in there. Anyway, that's amazing that you, that you dream about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've both yeah. had that dream several times. That's the that's the weird thing about it. Yeah. Um, we always wake up and tell each other about it. I mean, obviously, sometimes you, you can't remember your dreams. So is there anything that you are aware of that will actually help people to remember their dreams more? Yeah,
1: don't take drugs. <laughs>
2: if you take enough drugs you start dreaming while you're awake so <laughs> you're kind of like i'm seeing you know i'm seeing red flashes of light and they're on on great you know, we're, so, not avo- you know and- we're not
0: advocating drugs people just so you know <laughs> <laughs> no, no no we're not
2: but certain cultures we know that shamanic cultures used, and stuff yeah use drugs to, and I'm gonna say, quotes dream, meaning access states of mind where I have connection with intelligence beyond the conscious mind. So that's the serious part of it, we should still have fun with it. So, but, but people would do that. What can people do to remember their dreams easier? Well, there's a few different things. One, some people don't remember dreams because they're so married to the objective consensus reality. My hand is my hand. It's not a machine that can grab things and lift them up. Whatever people are so married to that that they wake up and they put away, they marginalize, they bury and forget what happens in that other world. So those kind of people, it's a little bit hard for uh, that. I would say to that person, be, use your imagination more during the day. Play, make drawings, get dolls, get puppets, be sillier, be like a, be more childlike in general, and then your dreams will will more likely be remembered. But some people find that if they keep a little recording device, whether that's a pad or a computer or or a digital recording by their bed, and then say to themselves, I hope I, tonight I would like to wake up after I dream so that I can write this little nugget down, or I'm going to stay in bed for a couple of minutes before I get out of bed, keep my eyes closed and let myself still be in a dreamy state to see if I can remember a dream. Hmm. If people say that kind of thing to them, it's almost like they're making friends with that dream world. And it's more likely than to connect with the conscious mind because they're still having dreams. It's just, they don't remember as as you're suggesting.
0: I know that with myself, if I have a dream and I wake up and I try and go over it, You know, as you said, I lay in bed and I think about the dream that I've just had. I'll remember it throughout the day and beyond. But if I wake wake up and remember a dream and then don't really pursue it, by midday, I've forgotten it. it. And I've actually got to really, really try hard to recall it again. Is that something to do with the way the mind works in processing memories?
2: Yes, because the dream world is a world that's not only available to our conscious mind. We drop the, con- right, we go to sleep, we're no longer conscious, right? So something else happens that we're not conscious, we're unconscious of, this whole other world begins to show itself. So now you wake up, you're moving from a from a world that's not conscious, you could say unconscious or shadow world or dream world or the other world or spirit world, depending on what your theories are, but you're waking up out of that world, walk, moving into your conscious mind. So there's a little bit of time Between those two periods, I wake up, I'm still groggy, I'm not really in my full conscious mind, I'm not really thinking about what I have to do today yet. Maybe that lasts for two seconds, maybe that lasts for 10 minutes, depending on the person. So if you're still in that dreamy state, you're closer to, if you can imagine a continuum, you're still closer to that world a little bit. Some people say that children, very young children, and then very old people are similar And then uh, the reason is because the child, the young child, some people would say, is still closer to the other world because they just came from that. And the older person is close to that world because that's where they're going. But then in the middle, we think of reality. That's interesting. Poets who write about that and spiritual ideas that write about that. Yeah. What are you going to say, Bella? No, I was just
1: saying that's really interesting. I never thought about it that way, that younger kids. I always thought that younger children were just innocent. They didn't have too much of this sort of other stuff saying that you know there's no such thing as, you know, bubblegum fairies. So they can dream about a bubblegum fairy and they like totally think it's true and but then you get older and you know it's different but what, and then when you are old your mind unfortunately you know you start to lose your sense of you really. You're able to see things again maybe that you couldn't when you were younger. So that I never really thought about it, but because I, I work in care, you know, and so I'm around a lot of elderly people. Yeah, it's kind of neat.
2: <laughs> Some people will start losing their memories. You could call that Alzheimer's or other kinds of things, right? They'll start losing their mind, their normal mind. Yeah, that's difficult and painful and painful for families. I understand all that, you know, so I'm not minimizing that or romanticizing the difficulty. And that person is able to dream a little bit easier. Let's imagine, again, I'm not romanticizing that and saying, and, it's, and so isn't this wonderful and it's not painful. It's very difficult for people and very yeah. difficult for families. But then that person might, their mind is acting as if the things that happened yesterday don't really matter anyway. Things yeah. that happened a long time ago are much more interesting because their stories and, and those kinds of things, when my mother was in her last months, probably about a year, and I don't think she would have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but she was she was losing it. So she would sometimes look at me and not know who I was. Even I yeah. remember I once went to visit her, and we went out. To, my mother liked to gamble, so we so and she I went to visit her, and her boyfriend picked me up with her and took us to a casino so we can have dinner. Most but in the background, so my mother could. <laughs> yeah <laughs> play poker, right? so we went to the went and had dinner and my mother went to a poker table and I walked around the casino looking around and then I went back over to her I went I, I approached her and she grabbed her purse and she said what are you doing here right mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said oh I'm sorry and she said where's my son and I said I think he's gonna be here soon maybe we, we can find him so what I'm doing with her is I'm entering a I'm going to call it a dream world, meaning another world, a world where David is not only David and, he, and her mind can see me in different ways. Now, one, if it, if it were my brother, he would have been like, mom, this is David. You know, what are you doing? You know, He would have tried to correct her. Yeah. Right? Fine. That makes sense. I understand why people would do that. But she's getting close to dying. Her regular mind is not so interesting anyway to me. And we had great conversations. And I'd say, "What's your son like?" Oh, he's like this. and sometimes I'd call her up when I wasn't around her, and we'd make up names. I did. I didn't call her by her name. I made up names for her. We'd go on trips. We'd go on cruises together and drink martinis. We were having a blast. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why should I sit there? She's she has a few months to live. What well, should, I, should I try to get her to think clearly? Why? She spent that, the whole life thinking clearly. You know. That
1: is the place where I'm working. That's how we are sort of trained now to go along and just be in this person's world and let them, you know, if they loved babies, let them have a baby doll, like you said, and they carry it around and they think it's great. But years ago, too many to remember, when I worked... In care, it was different, and they used to teach you that you're supposed to orient them or at least try to orient them to time and place. But I can see now why it works, and it is a nicer, like a more humane way to let the person just be happy, just let them. It's distressing
0: for them, isn't it? Because you then enter them into the state where they're confused. Hang on a minute. What are you doing? You're telling me that you are my son, but I don't remember you being my son. And then they you know, get, yeah. And then they feel bad because they didn't right. remember, you know, and you're just throwing a whole load of confusion and everything in their way, aren't you? Which, as as you said, David, you know, why would you want to yeah. do that at why the end not, of their life?
2: Why not dream with the, per- I'm calling it dream now. I'm using that term in a in a broader yeah. sense. Why not dream- use my imagination? I had really profound conversations with my mother that were really sweet. They were some of my best memories. I really mean that. We had the sweetest time together. We went on little trips together. We had conversations that we would never would have had when she was more having her mental faculties. They were much kinder. Also, we didn't have an easy relationship and we, they were playful. So I really cherished those times.
1: Yeah, I can totally see
2: that. And then we can say, according to your show, what's, what's real anyway? And I understand, you know, this is, it's now... 145 my time, and if people are going to pay me, they have to write this much money. I understand those, those kinds of things. But if we get too gripped by that world, this is the literal this, and this is the literal that, then we're not, I'm, I'm playing with your name, but we're not weird and wacky enough, having fun, enjoying life, remembering that love is important more than our work, all these other wonderful things that are available to us.
0: One of the reasons why we started doing this show was so that we had a common interest so we could spend more time together so yeah I mean I totally yeah we totally get that again not therapy for us but I do have to uh, mention this because I've been trying to get Bella to change some of her habits and maybe you might tell me you that. can't change
1: me <laughs>
0: maybe you're gonna tell me David that I'm doing totally the wrong thing I don't know
1: Bella
2: doing totally the wrong thing. Okay, yeah.
1: okay. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that's easy
2: for me to
0: say. Yeah, <laughs> cheers. Anyway, it's lovely speaking to you. Bye. No. Um- <laughs> Bella loves watching these true crime things on TV, and she watches well, the. I- hang on a minute. Let me finish, right? And she don't don't let him finish, Bella. Him finish. <laughs> <laughs> and she she watches no because she knows what's coming. She watches everything to do with these murder shows and these serial killer shows and everything. And not that I think that she's psychotic in any way at all. That's <laughs> that's not the thing. She What she finds interesting is how these people are caught and how they almost always trip themselves up. They tell someone that they shouldn't tell or they do something ridiculous like... They'll commit the so-called, in quotes, perfect crime and then they'll drive away in a car that's not insured and it's picked up on some kind of ANPR camera or something. But what does happen, and we're getting to the serious side of this now, is that Bella has, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bella, but I would say probably 80% of her nights sleeping are with nightmares. To the extent that she is screaming in her sleep she's on a lot of medication that may
1: i don't tend to remember a lot you know it's medication to help me sleep or um, for anxiety that sort of thing yeah so i don't remember my dreams much anyway i'm having
0: to during the night i'm having to wake her slowly and with calm reassuring words because she is Screaming to the point where bryce oh, her Bryce her Bella. son, who is sixteen, is petrified at what might be happening to her, but I mean, they go
1: in cycles, I mean I can go for months and be fine, and then all of a sudden i'll have loads of them you know loads of nightmares but she doesn't
0: oh, that's, that's... she doesn't even tend to remember them, but I think. And I might be totally wrong. I think a lot of it is because she is pouring these serial killer things that are re-dramatized on the screen. She's watching them constantly, and and I worry that
2: she's actually. I don't think. I don't think that's the reason. Okay. Sorry. I, I don't mean. I don't mean to be more. No, no, no be that's more, good. More no. <laughs> I don't think that's the reason. I think the re. Now, Bella, I'm talking about you without knowing you, right? Yeah. But it. So. So. You have to then take everything with, you know that proper grain of salt, meaning it resonates me, it doesn't resonate because if I actually spend time with you, even if it was 20, 30 minutes talking with you, or 15 minutes about this, I would know something that I don't now know. It's yeah. very important to me ethically because too many people advise people based on very simple things without really even spending a preliminary amount of time. So I have to. I want to say that ethically, if there's an audience, quick, quick answers sometimes can be right on, but they should, but ethically, one should take time before one deals with yeah, a serious issue. Yeah. And really, you know, just like if I came to you for the medical thing, and you, and you say, oh, yeah, I've seen that cough before, probably means this, you probably would want to say, but let's check it out a little bit longer, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so I just want to say that. But now I can tell you things I know about patterns that I've seen in other people that might apply. So that's what I can do with that story. And and the patterns that i that a pattern that I've seen that connects to what you're saying is the same thing that compels a person to have a habit or watch a TV kind of a show or eat a certain kind of food, the certain, the same thing that compels the habit is in the dream. It's not the the habit is not causing the thing. The TV is not causing the thing the the interest in the TV show is the same thing. That's compelling the dream. They're both, being generated out of the same concern, psychology, thought—does that make sense so far?
1: Sort of. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, so, okay. so you're but,
0: saying, David, that the interest, the reason why she watches the shows, i.e., the how they got caught, that sort of stuff, is is the same thing that is driving the dream. So it's again that interest in being caught, etc.
2: Yes, that's right. Let's let's imagine, Nabella. This is this is this. If this has anything to do with you, it's only by accident. I'm not trying to be accurate yeah, yeah, yeah. about that. So i now. I'm just thinking about clients that I've worked with and things like. I'm so seriously. I'm not trying to be clever with you. But yeah. let's say a person had had a certain kind of violent history. Let's say in childhood, mm-hmm. okay, and let's say that that let's say that history was denied or dismissed. That didn't really happen. That's no big deal. You're making stuff up. Which that's, that's pretty common, actually. Yeah, yeah. Right? That somebody tries to change the person's mind. You're making things. What's happening to you? You're some kind of weird. You've got some kind of psychological problem. You're all paranoid. So now I drum into that child by with powerful forces. That could be parental forces that can do that, right? And now the child doesn't know, doesn't believe themselves. But the psyche, the dreaming mind, the unconscious mind is still looking. Something happened. What the heck yeah. was that? Now that mind will generate all kinds of things, habits, nighttime dreams, and all that kind of stuff. And one possibility for that kind of dream—now I'll be specific for you, Bella. One kind of possibility is that there's a crime that you really should find out what it is. Now, now I'm not suggesting that's a violent childhood crime. A crime could be that you lost a part of yourself. When I was—I'm sixty-three. When my first, my first marriage, I, I no longer married to that person. My first marriage, I, we, I was a writer and a poet, but I wanted to be a good husband and an income earner, and I put away all my writing for years. In the psyche, that's a crime. Can you follow? What yeah, happened? Yeah, because... what, what happened to that writer? It, how come it took him till 50 to go back and start writing again? That's a, kind of a, that's a crime. Like I lost a part of myself. I didn't know that. But my psyche might be dreaming of somebody who stole that. They yeah. stole something with me. So it could be a literal thing or it could be a psychological thing. But if we explored more, I would say we have to now be dreamy. What's the crime? If there was a crime that happened in your life, what would it be? And you have to be imaginal now. So it's not only literal. You might know, literal things might come up to you right away. Yeah. That's great. I always thought this when people told me this wasn't true or I had a gift and I'm not using it or I have a secret love with something that i don't really share with people or something like that there's a crime and then there's a question should that crime be caught aha i know what's happening now i should go back to my writing i shouldn't give that up in my next relationship should i catch the crime
1: yeah i get it or
2: or do i need to get away oh you got something already yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh good you can say it or not
1: (laughs) oh no just just you just past stuff. Yeah, I get it. It makes a lot of sense really thinking yes. about it now.
2: Catch that crime and believe yourself. Catch it. Catch it. Police it. Find dig into it in your mind or some details and believe it and tell the story to Shelley like as tell it like this really happened and this is what I know and I sometimes doubt that, but I got to be specific about that. My dreaming mind is not going to let me get away with being half conscious about that. It's not good for me.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Can
0: can I just ask? Is this to do with the story you're actually telling at the minute, the one that you're writing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's
0: interesting. Bella's actually in the process of writing a book at the moment about her past, so I'm not going to go into it now because I, it's a painful thing that I'm sure she doesn't want to discuss now. But but yeah, and
2: I want to be protective, and we want to be Bella. No, I hope no, it's, it's interesting, but take care of yourself and what's right for you. Just one that's my ethics would say you should decide what's comfortable and what's right for you, not me or anybody else. It's all to you. But yes, that's writing that story. That's it. That's the crime drama out. the Yeah. Home I, thing. Was,
1: I was but- saying to Shelley that I want to do it. And it's really cool. Cause when telling it, when I'm working on it, it, I feel good. But at the same time, I walk away from it sometimes and I just feel really like raw Yes, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. but she, she reliving, I am reliving the things through, but I really am enjoying writing it. And I know that I think it's something that everybody's going to find interesting, obviously, or I wouldn't actually write it for although you can yes. write stuff just because you want to well, write it. Okay? You
0: initially started writing it and said that even if I don't, even if this doesn't go anywhere, I think it's going to be good for me,
1: yeah. So, yeah. but I am enjoying doing it, it's really
2: take time take t- after you do some writing and before you go to sleep, take a little time to feel into your in your body, the fear in your body, the energy, the feelings in your body. I'm saying fear because because you wake up screaming, the fright, the shock. Mm-hmm. Feel a tiny little bit of that and give it something it needs. Wrap yourself in a blanket. ask, ask Shelly to hold you. Do something that acknowledges that there's f- deep, strong feelings in you so that they don't only have to happen in the dream world, bring them into your conscious world. I would, if it were me, for instance, I might remember a little bit of it, feel a little bit of shaking in my body. I take a blanket, and wrap myself really tight in that blanket, like a, like a swaddling, Yeah. and, and hold myself for a few, and shake for a few minutes. Even if I have to consciously shake my body a little bit, just, to, just so that I have a little bit of that experience, because the dream is saying those experiences are in you, but they're almost too much, too strong, or you're not fully conscious. You're of You're not them.
1: acknowledging so, it. How it's making that's it right. You so feel help yeah. them.
2: Let's help your conscious mind know. I know that this is happening, even if I'm not fully in touch with it, even if it's a few minutes. Yeah, Val. I just want to say it's really brave to talk about those. Kind of, it's a big thing to talk about those things. It's a kind of a. Some people feel will feel vulnerable or naked. Is the you know not physically naked, but being seen. So I just want to say. Thanks for talking about that and take care of yourself. It's really important to me because those are big experiences and how they're treated is very, very important. So make sure that they're treated by me, by anybody in a way that I don't, there's not one way to treat them in a way that something side of you says, this is good for me.
1: I never really thought as much as I like psychology and I watch a lot of shows and I read a lot of, you know, things and my son is actually really interested in it as well but I gotta say even though I know I've I remember when I was in college and they would talk about how dreams have a lot to do with your your, you know your thoughts and your unconscious and blah 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 I never really thought well I've never actually seen it almost from a therapeutic angle how you can use the dreams that people have to you know to Try to get to the bottom of things, yeah. usually I mean you you know you go to counseling and then you go, "Oh, you know, I'm getting divorced, and I feel inadequate and blah blah blah, and I get that you know you're speaking to somebody about something and you're giving them that, but I never really thought of well, what are you dreaming you know yes I, well I, I well just... there's
2: there's a lot of psychology, I'm oh, sorry, I cut you off finish it oh no that,
1: that that's it really, just I never okay. really thought of you of dreams. As being that sort of... It's
0: almost like coming in the back door, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. So much much psychology is not what I would call depth psychology. Depth psychology has its roots maybe in Jungian psychology and things. But depth psychology meaning I'm going to look deeper into things that people are less conscious of. Some psychology is more behavioral. That's fine. It's sometimes very useful. Some psychology is purely cognitive. Let me change your thoughts and things like that. There's positive psychology, getting people to think really more positively and all kinds of different psychological approaches that aren't depth oriented. I'm presenting to you a depth oriented, meaning I'm going beneath the surface of the conscious mind. So that means there are things I need to know about you that you can't tell me directly. Right. Because you don't know them. I don't know those things about myself. I can't tell you if you ask me how I was feeling, I might not know some of those feelings. So then so and then some people would say that doesn't exist, or it's not needed, etc. That's fine. But then I would say from a depth point of view, that I want to know something about that unconscious mind. And the, there's different ways of accessing that. Nighttime dreams are ways, then your dreams are going to tell me something that you might not be able to share with me consciously but your dream is going to tell me something right but i could explore the teeth or the clothes and or something like that the dream saying try that little back door as, as shelly was saying that might take you there so i would do that and then i would be aware of how dreaming this the imaginal things the weird things the weird wacky things that happen that don't seem to make sense i can also use those as like dreaming information in ways Things that come up by accident, things that we, jokes that we make that we giggle about, lights going off in my room when you say something, or a fire engine coming by with sirens. I can take these things as potential doorways into information that. The conscious mind, meaning you and me sitting here, might not present to each other.
1: Well, is that how you, in your counseling, is that the approach that you use, or do you adapt it to, obviously, to the person, or?
2: I adapt to the person, but I'm depth-oriented, which means I'm always listening to the person's statements, and I'm always listening and looking for information about the person that they don't know yet about themselves because I want to help them get to know themselves,
1: like the things that they're not saying, rather than a lot of the things that they are. saying. The things they're not saying. Yeah.
2: A person says, "I ask a person, can I ask you a question?" And they and somebody goes, "Yeah." <laughs> that's a no. That's a no. Can you follow? Yeah. That's a person who. That's a person who doesn't feel free to say no. So I'm hearing their yes, but I'm also hearing the hesitation. And that's something that is not only happy answering that question, and behind that hesitation might be something much more interesting than the answer to my question. Yeah, I have a, this is a hobby horse of mine, meaning something that something that not everyone would agree with, but too, too much psychology has lost the 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 depth orientation. But that's my bias. Somebody else would not agree with me. That's that sure, would be a theory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but some but psychology has been has gone very quickly to to uh, diagnoses. Literally labeling which sometimes sometimes helps people by the way. I'm not only against that, but then we do that to ourselves Oh, I didn't do this. I'm a procrastinator. Oh, I don't do this. I'm lazy Oh, I'm undisciplined. people constantly throwing these ideas about themselves and they're almost never right mm. Those ideas are almost always superficial and and lack any deep under deeper depth understanding of what a person's really doing so we're constantly walking around having ideas about ourselves that are superficial And, and sometimes shaming, oh, that's because I'm screwed up in some way. That's why I keep eating food and getting bigger. So people have constant ideas like that, that are, I said, they're not helpful, actually ideas. They usually, they often have mixed with, with, uh, with shame.
0: Yeah. Okay. David, really enjoyed your insights today. Definitely 100%. And I think Bella's probably going to be giving you a call after this. Um Where can other people find out about what you do? And I know that you've got some other work that you're currently working on as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we go?
2: I'm actually, as I speak, I'm looking up my website to make sure I got it right. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I important. couldn't remember it was .com or .org. So my website is David, and my last name is Bedrick, B-E-D-R-I-C-K, like bedrock. Only it's Bedrick. Yeah. So davidbedrick.com If if people are on Facebook, and they And they look for me, David Bedrick. I write almost every day. I talk about social issues and psychological issues. And sometimes there's hundreds of people get involved in a dialogue about some topic. It's really interesting. So Facebook is a good way to do that.
1: I think I might have to look that up then.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Friend request me and then you'll you'll see some cool discussions. Some people get their therapy just by coming to Facebook and dialoguing (laughs) with me. I, I give about two plus hours a day, five, six days a week to whoever wants to come and chat oh about whatever As because my rates that work with me privately are rather expensive. So I do things, I make videos for people. I do have discussions with people, uh, do things that where people don't have to pay. My oh, current that's project- That's really cool. Yeah, it's kind of a way for me to work out the ethics of how can I charge a bunch of money for my private sessions? Yeah. And then there are people who can't afford that. What do I do? So I try to make opportunities- Like writing books that people don't have to pay a lot for, or coming, or there's lots of videos. If you put my name in in YouTube or things like that, you'll find lots of videos of me teaching on different topics. I'm currently working on a book on uh, body shame, eating, diet, and body shame consists of 17 stories, people that I interviewed and then did counseling sessions with, and then talk about their issue and give a psychological uh, view of that the psychological view means a depth view not you're eating too much because you're undisciplined you're eating because you're hungry for something and then helping people figure out what those kinds of things are right. so it's a I call that a non-shaming point of view i'm not thinking you people are screwed up i'm thinking people do things for because of for because there's an intelligence in the background that needs to be known so that's what i'm currently working on i teach a 6 month class on on dealing with shame because shame is such a huge variable, and shame stops people from getting to know themselves more deeply. So shame to me is the major barrier to get to know yourself, because, if I, because when shame's around, I have simplistic explanations of myself, and I don't really explore who I am and get to know them. So that's an online program. I'm starting the next one in April, so people from all around the world join those for three times a month for six months and get a pretty extensive training and work in all these different dreaming methods to get to know ourselves outside of the veil of shame I call it
1: very interesting
0: excellent well we'll definitely make sure that we include that in the show notes so our listeners if you need to just have a look at our show notes you'll find all of the information that Dave has given us in terms of how you can contact him and the information also we'll put a link to the books that you've got out currently as well
2: yeah, I have two books. One's Talking Back to Dr. Phil was my first book, which kind of goes through 19, I think it's 19 episodes of Dr. Phil and says, here's what he did, here's a depth orientation. And my second book is called Revisioning Activism. It's more about social activism, racism, sexism, anti-Semitism, things like that, and how to look at that from a psychological point of view. Awesome. Really fun talking to the two of you. Thanks for being yes. open and, and... Vulnerable and sharing your own dreams and and thinking about dreams together it's a, it's a really fine thing. I no problem. It. Well, we it's
0: really enjoyed having you on and it's this is a little bit out of our norm but I think it was a definitely a refreshing change. Yeah, it?
1: I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Oh, great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be I want it to be your very favorite or I'm not hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tea, that's, that's the child in me. No, yeah. I have to be the very favorite. Number one. not... Period. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's explore
0: that, David. <laughs> well, I, think
1: I need to later. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. Thank okay. Have, have
1: a good ourselves. one, you guys. All Bye.
0: Bye. That guy just makes you feel good, doesn't he?
1: Well, yeah, he does. But the show was not supposed to go that way. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. And but I mean, that's what makes it kind of a good show. Because if you follow a script all the time, then it just gets boring, doesn't it?
0: Exactly. And it would be very easy for us to just work out a load of questions and sit there and go to that script, as you said, you know. But then I don't think that sometimes interviews flow in the same way. Sometimes you need to be able to explore different things. And I think it was fantastic that he actually. He actually took the time here in this to divert what he was originally going to speak to as well. I mean, he could have spent the whole show just plugging his books. and yeah, or just plugging his books, but he didn't. You know, he he was interested in yeah. in you and.
1: Of course he was. I'm interesting.
0: Of course you are. No, actually you are. Mm. No, honestly, you are.
1: I'm a deep well. <laughs> well, well, you're deep. <laughs>
0: We really appreciate David coming along and speaking to us for that interview. We've actually, we're putting the ending on now after the fact. Okay, so I just want you to know, listeners that may be concerned, we've gone back through it and we've made sure that everything that actually goes out is stuff that that Bella is absolutely 100% happy with sharing with you guys. That's I um, gave
1: my full 100% stamp of approval.
0: So if you want to find anything more out about David Bedrick, then you can go to our website, www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk, where you can also listen to all of our tracks, but you can find out that little bit more information about David. See a nice picture of him on there that you sent us and follow the links to his books and his work. We will catch you on the next show, where we will be talking to Dr. Michael Masters. But until then, stay extremely
1: weird, Weird, wacky wacky and and wonderful. wonderful. Bye.